T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Here we are on Overnight America. Text message from last hour said, Ryan, thanks for remembering Larry King. When in junior high school, Larry was asked what he wanted to do. He wrote in his yearbook, quote, to be a radio announcer. And boy, was he a good one. Larry was great. Uh, I, I wish I had the opportunity to interview him at some point. He, he would have been a good one to share some stories with it. He was a fascinating guy. Genuine, you know, in that sense. He came by it honestly. And I've listened to some interviews and podcasts he's been on and in his later years, but uh, too bad, Larry. Uh, 314-436-7900. Two things I wanted to get to in this one. <laughs> so something else. Amazon is seeking to postpone a union vote in one of their warehouses in Alabama. And they're saying that they want to reconsider the decision to allow mail-in voting due to the pandemic. <laughs> this is so ridiculous this is so perfect too so you oh wait 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 amazon wait a minute amazon so you're saying that you want to have a election in person because you feel like it'll be the most accurate vote and it has to do with one of your own warehouses in alabama so you want to have an accurate vote you don't want to leave an open opportunity for any funny business with the mail inside oh i see how it goes isn't that something i've seen a couple of people point out online a couple of things number one keep in mind jeff bezos who owns amazon also owns the washington post so can you rightfully say the owner of the washington posts advocating for in-person voting over mail-in voting could you say that might be a little bit of a <laughs> reminiscent of what we just went through here? But what does it also say? And one other thing I noticed online, and this is actually a really good point. The other thing, when you're in the business of shipping goods and services and you're you're mailing things left and right, mail, 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 you're in you're privatizing mailing. What does that say about your confidence in being able to mail in votes? What does that also say, the confidence about a fair election when you rely heavily on mail-in votes? Isn't that something? Uh, wouldn't the, You would think, you would think that if the system was 100% foolproof, then you would just allow it to happen the way that it did during the general election. Or if anything, could this be used as a commentary to point out the flaws in the system of mail-in voting? 
one that even uh, it's not uh, it's not unique for someone to question the authentic nature of someone putting it in. But we're having such a low, uh, low number of those that are invalidated. I went online and I looked and it's tough because not every state would give this statistic. But the states that did, you notice that the number of votes that were invalidated this past election in 2020, a lot lower the, the number of invalidated ballots passed on 2016 even, and by a pretty large margin in some cases. And you wonder, why is there such a low number of invalidated mail-in ballots this time around? Did they change the laws to make it so you're not having to validate as much? Or no, that can't be the case. Then what is it? I, I think that, if anything, the whole Jeff Bezos thing coming out and saying, wait, we don't, we want to discourage mail and we want to postpone it so we can try to get everyone in person. It's a pretty good indicator that there are some very serious concerns. And when your, uh, when your company is on the line, or in this case, when our country is on the line, then yes, you are allowed to question these things. Uh, how about this one too from Axios? Another report came out saying that People just do not trust traditional media. So faith in society's central institutions like government and media have been dissolving by the numbers. 56% of Americans agree with the statement that journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. 56%. That's a majority of Americans. And I'm going to rely heavily on that gross exaggerations. I think that happens a lot with journalists, reporters, national media. I, I'm going to point out the big distinction between the two. When you have a local newspaper or local TV or a local radio, and I'm not just saying this because we're included in the local radio. I'm just saying local media has a much better batting average than the national media. And I think you can look at Ferguson and the way CNN treated it here. Uh, what they do is they sh they come on in, they pop up a banner, and they'll say, hey, look at that, CNN here on the site. Oh, look at them, burning buildings and rioting and things. Oh, we're here in Ferguson. Oh, this is so bad. And then they're out like two days later. And they'll, they won't care about Ferguson again in the future up until they can use it in order to benefit whatever racial cause or division that they're trying to push. And that's it. They don't care about anything, St. Louis. They don't care about the community here. You know, they, they don't because it's not a big enough audience. They can't just focus on one area, one region. It don't work like that for them. So they just done, you know, and, and that's what Rush Limbaugh is called the drive by media. They just drive by. They just do the thing and gone. Local reporters are held accountable for the things they say and do by the uh, local people here in the community. And that is a big motivator to try to be good in the way that they report in the way that they put their stories together, the people they talk to. It's a very big deal. So yeah, whenever I look at that and I want to put a little asterisk and say that these journalists reporters, I'm guessing they're referring to national uh, journalists and reporters. 58% think that quote, most news organizations are more concerned with supporting an ideology or political position than with informing the public. Oh man. You know, if that 56% was a stretch, 58%, I think is low. If anything, I'm a hundred percent convinced that's true. So I would be in the camp of yes on that. And they also repolled Americans after the election. The figures have deteriorated a little 57% of Democrats, trusting the media and only 18% of Republicans trusting the media. Wow. 18% of Republicans. 
percentage of Americans who trust national uh, traditional media, 46% is where it's at right now. Total, when you put the two together. That's not good. So I would be very, I would be mindful to note that sometimes these uh, journalists and such, they don't really have your best interest in mind. I think they have other motivations in mind. So that needs to be done and follow the local media whenever you can. They're going to do a much better job at covering a story and putting it out there than a national media source that needs to be stated. So whenever you get a chance, if you see a story trending from somewhere, see if you can find a local news source for it, as opposed to trying to just rely on whatever the national source is. This is Overnight America KMOX. KMOX is St. Louis's news, talk, sports, radio. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. Our friend Johnny Rabbit, we're going to check in with him. If you missed that from earlier, it'll be good. I, I think you're going to like hearing from him. It's important because I can't wait to hear his show back again on Saturday nights when appropriate. So I wanted to play this real quick from Fox 2. You paid for it segment. They're so good. Elliot Davis is the best. I mean, Elliot Davis and Lauren Traeger, when it comes to television reporters, those two, those two have some pretty good segments. To me, my favorite is Elliot Davis, number one TV uh, reporter like that. He is just so good. And you paid for it series always is so good, too. And he's a good follow on social media if you get a chance to do it. But St. Louis has said hundreds of St. Louis City police, fire, EMS, and other public safety workers got COVID-19 vaccines on Friday. About 400 shots were given out, even at St. Louis struggles. And when I was talking to uh, Johnny Rabbit earlier, he mentioned this to me. He said, we hear so much about the vaccines in the county in the way that they're handling it. Why aren't we hearing much about the distribution in the city? And I thought, you know what? That's a great point. Every time I see a story, it's all about what the county's doing. But you never hear how the city's doing. Well, Elliot Davis decided to take a look into things going on in the city. A total of 400 San Louis City police officers, firefighters, EMS employees, and other public safety department workers got their shots today. This despite St. Louis having received no vaccine from the state. How's that possible? This metropolitan area, the biggest in the state, city of St. Louis, um, big. It's not like we're talking about a little tiny town where it's no big deal. We're talking about some major economies are just in this metropolitan area, major companies in the St. Louis region. We got a lot of big business here. We got professional sports teams. We got all kinds of stuff going on. You think that they would be really eager to try to get some vaccines here. Why is that? So why is it so slow? The 400 doses given out today were donated to the city by Affinia Healthcare. Fire Chief Dennis Jinkerson talks about the urgency. Why is this important, Chief? <laughs> well, over the last nine months, you know, just looking at the fire department, we've had a tremendous amount of people. How bad is that when the, the chief has to laugh at you? Why is this important, Chief? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, hey, uh, Chief, why is this important? <laughs> Tuh. Tuh. Well, over the last nine months, you know, just looking at the fire department, we've had a tremendous amount of people get COVID or, or either and be quarantined, which cost the city a tremendous amount of money. So we're trying to we're trying to get all the public safety department vaccinated and ready and prepared and be able to handle the rest of the calls and, and, and take care of the people in the city. Before today, about 350 public safety workers got their COVID shots, courtesy of area hospitals that donated vaccine to the city. There's still a long way to go. There are about 3,500 public safety workers in all. 
there just aren't enough doses for them all yet. Yeah, that's not a good sign, and that's not a good look for St. Louis. We got all this money. We got all this. Look, this is what they're doing. They're saying, okay, we need to pass another stimulus bill. And what do they do? They pass another stimulus bill in December and money and resources allocated to distribution. And let's get the shots out there and let's get money to cities and let's get some to schools and let's get some to police. And they, they throw it out and they throw out hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. We've done it a couple of times in 2020. And now they're even talking about another one where they want to put more money into this, more money into that. And here we are throwing money, and we're finding that in the city of St. Louis, they've been able to get zero vaccines other than the ones that were donated to them. And what about in the county? And then if you look at the entire state, we are ranked dead last when it comes to vaccine distributions. What are they doing with all this? Is the money just sitting there, and we're in a queue, and we're waiting to spend it? It's like the ice cream man came by, and there's just a long line of people buying ice cream in front of us. And you afraid by the time you get to the window, all the rocket pops will be gone and you're going to be stuck with the worst kind. Oh, I got to get the SpongeBob. Ugh, I guess. Is that what's going to happen? Just waiting that long queue line. The shots are voluntary. And there's this. About 60 percent of the first responders have indicated they don't want to take the shot. Ooh. Officials, though, are going to work. 60 percent is a big number. But even so, you would think that they would have a little bit more success with the 40% that do want it. Why do 60% don't want the vaccine? That's not good when the healthcare workers are the ones that say no thanks. Officials, though, are going to work hard to try to convince the rest to take it. I talked to the St. Louis Acting Health Director, Dr. Frederick Eccles, who says not getting any vaccine from the state is a huge problem. There are other groups to get to after vaccinating the first responders. We're not the only city um, or only jurisdiction in the state of Missouri uh, that has not received um, uh, its allocation of COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and we understand that there's been uh, supply issues from the very beginning. So we understood that you know, the initial supply was going to be insufficient to meet the demand. Um, but we didn't know it was going to be this, uh, uh, this disparate. Yeah, we knew. We knew. We knew. I get it. We know. We know and they're continuing to pump these things out. And there's a couple of uh, other companies that are hopefully getting approved here soon. The Johnson and Johnson, AstraZeneca. Those are two big ones that'll add to the Moderna and Pfizer. So if we have four companies pumping these things out as fast as they can, this is good news and making it easy to transport and making it easy to store these things. These are all good things. But the number of zero. Now, keep in mind, this vaccination is what? end of 2020 so over a month or so it's not that it's really not that abnormal for the distribution to slow down let me just use an example and this is probably a poor one whenever playstation comes out with a new video game console and all the video game nerds are out there saying oh i got a new playstation what happens they rush to the store, they buy all the PlayStations, and then people are waiting to buy their next PlayStation. And Sony's pumping them out as fast as they can, and they're doing everything they can because they know people want to buy them. But the, but what ends, ends up happening is that people are grabbing them off the shelves faster than they could get them out there. I think there's a little bit of that going on, except for many people. We're not talking about a video game system. We're talking about something that would enable them to try to get their normal life back. So the demand's very high because it includes everyone here in the country that wants to return back to normal at some point. Dr. Eccles says the city should get nearly 4,000 doses of vaccine from the state next week.
is this going fast enough for you? next week? You know what that sounds like too? It's like the Popeye cartoons where the dude wants a hamburger. I'll, I'll gladly, <laughs> I'll gladly give you a vaccine tomorrow if for a vaccine today. So they're just going to magically plop this out of the sky. The vaccines are going to come out of nowhere. I hope that's the case. I hope that finally they're able to get the distribution up and at them. But was it, you know, could it be possible that some of the distribution was put on the back burner because the people that were meant to try to distribute it was the National Guard and they were called to D.C. for the inauguration? Is it possible that the people that were meant to distribute this were called to something else? And that's one of the problems for it? Maybe. I, see, I haven't heard that angle to it, but a big part of trying to get this thing out there was utilizing things like the National Guard for distribution. And that was part of the strategy to begin with. I wonder if the transition between the Trump to Biden administration messed that up. And if that's the case, whose fault is that? If at all, it's still it takes time to get these things out. I understand it's not like a big criticism at this point they're doing everything they can as fast as they can i i really don't have a problem with this right now it's just it should be going a little bit faster i mean that's all it just should be faster all right coming up after the break our friend johnny rabbit we're going to check in with him and see what's going on if you haven't heard from him in a while this will be a good uh, good update because i know a lot of people love and care about johnny rabbit he's up next after a look at your weather on overnight america kmox news radio 1120 kmox the voice of the Cardinals. And joining us now is someone that many people miss on this radio station. I don't know how many people call me and say, where's Johnny Rabbit? I miss Johnny Rabbit. How are you? Oh, that's great. Well, thank those people for me, Ryan. Thank you. And I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm just waiting for the word when to go ahead and that it'll be able to come back into the station. The show I do is just too complicated to do from home because all of the CDs I'd have to play and all of this stuff. And uh, But it doesn't make any sense to do all of that work. So they're going to wait till we can get back in the studio. And who knows when that will be? I don't think anybody really knows. But I am doing wonderfully. I am very busy with programs, presentations. I just finished one uh, for uh, Oasis called The Saga of Gaslight Square, which is, they said this is one of their most requested programs. They wanted to hear, people love to hear about Gaslight Square, which is gone. It wasn't there. Actually, it's been gone next year. It'll be 50 years since uh, the final place really closed, O'Connell's Pub, and moved on to Shaw and King's Highway. So that's the kind of stuff I'm doing. I'm working on other shows for the History Museum, one in 200 years of transportation in the state of Missouri for the Missouri Bicentennial. Uh, later on, let's see, before that, March 20, excuse me, February 24th for Oasis, I'm doing one called Landmarks uh-huh. and Lore of St. Louis. So that, that keeps me all, keeps me very busy. And fortunately, I've collected a lot of materials over the years. So I don't have to get out and go places to get this because most of the libraries where I would do this research are not available or only on a limited basis. Mm-hmm. So I don't really go anywhere. I just stay home. Well, I was um, I was thinking about you the other day because when I hear classic radio, I think, man, I really missed out on some awesome years. And you have so much great history in radio and the things that you've been able to do through your career. And I know this one was before your time. But uh, I was listening to an old CBS radio theater, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Do you remember those? Oh, sure. 
Oh. I do it very well. Yeah, I, they they started, they rebooted several... it a few times, actually, and then yeah. I was listening to some of the original ones from the 40s. Yeah. Those were the best ones. They got pretty canned sounding toward the end. Bill Bailey, I think, was the last one to do it. But they had like five different uh, Johnny Dollars on that program. It wasn't the, the very, but they never would uh, change. They all really kind of sounded the same, yeah. their, their voice quality and so on. Um he was an insurance investigator. Insurance <laughs> <laughs> with an action-packed uh, expense account. <laughs> action-packed, and then it got that originally uh, was a half-hour show. Then it uh, became a, toward the end. It was a serialization. It was a fifteen-minute show, five nights a week. Mm-hmm. It's really and amazing. So, but that the, was the the effort. It was the, the last uh, one. Productions and everything that were put into it. It's oh such an goodness. amazing production. Yeah, and that was the last of that type of a mystery detective program on network radio. That was the end of the line for that type of network radio show. Really amazing. And, you know, looking at DJs in general, you were telling me that, and I didn't realize this, in the radio, not the radio, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, there's two St. Louis DJs representing the area in that Hall of Fame? Yeah, at the International Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I know you've been there, and it's really a great place, a wonderful place. Uh, bigger than most people think. A lot of people say, ah, it's not going to be that big, but it is. It's big, and it's growing all the time. And when they inducted the disc jockey section, uh, I was one of the two for St. Louis, and Ron Lundy was the other. We are the two representing St. Louis. And as far as the, the beginning of rock and roll, uh, we had that honor, and we were voted in. I don't know who did the voting, but I, I thank the people for doing it. Um, the person that um, let them know that I should be one that would be going in was Max Floyd. He was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his work in Denver, though much of his later work was in Kansas City. And that's that's how it happened. I just got a call one day, and they said, you're going to be uh, one of the two inductees. And I think they have them for every major city. They've done two people. Yeah. I and remember I that thought, section because, you know, I came from the Detroit area, so I only paid attention sure. to that. I didn't look at the other cities. But that is such a cool thing. I had no idea. Yeah, it was cool. It was really great. And then later on, I, I said, you know, well, um, how long will it be? They said, forever. You can't change history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not going to be any different people. Now, Ron Lundy, he was a terrific disc jockey. He's passed away on his um, pretty big estate in Mississippi few years ago, but he was a great DJ, very funny. He was on WIL here in the afternoon when it was a top 40 station, and he really had his bigger successes at WABC in New York City, uh, but his he was right at the start of the rock and roll era in St. Louis. That is so neat. I love hearing things like that. In the, the last time I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's been a long time, but there's a few different exhibits I remember going through. They had Johnny Cash's tour bus out front. And if you bought a ticket to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you showed your ticket on the outside, and then they let you into the tour bus. It was like two people at a time or something. So you just kind of like, you know, they had the the attendant that was sitting where the driver would sit. And I remember you would go through, and towards the back, there was this little mini office in the tour bus close to where the back bedroom is on pretty much every tour bus. And on it was this wooden butcher block table where apparently that was where Johnny Cash would work. And it was what he pulled from Ulysses S. Grant. It was somehow owned by him as a desk and he refitted it into his uh, his tour bus. 
<laughs> so a good St. Louis connection. Yeah, what a thing to do. I guess when you have the money, you have the availability to do things like right. that. That's the way to spend <laughs> right. it, I guess. That's it. Now, uh, who's in that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for Detroit? Well, I re- only remember one of them. It was Arthur Penhowell, who is a longtime rock disc jockey in Detroit, and he had mm-hmm. this really deep voice. I don't know if he sounds or that name sounds familiar at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah, and he always did this thing, and he had this growl to him, and he's not working anymore. He's retired, and he is, I think, down in Hawaii, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, he was there forever, and he just had one of the most distinct voices. If you were to hear him, you would know immediately, wow, that's you don't don't hear him like that. And there's all kinds of different people that have that uniqueness to them. You were also telling me about someone you knew that passed away just a week ago. Yeah, John Lutz, a really good, really good mystery writer uh, of detective stories. And I don't even know how many books he wrote. I think about 30. They were internationally sold. That's not the title of the book. is different than the movie, but the movie was made from one of his books called Single White Female, hmm. uh, about a person in New York City needing a roommate and got a roommate that <clears throat> Turned turn out to be the best deal. A really scary book. Many of his books were set in St. Louis. He had different uh, detectives, so to speak, private eyes that he would do. Uh, this first one, or the one in St. Louis, which I think it was his first private eye, was called um, Allo Nudger, A-L-O Nudger. And he lived above a donut shop in downtown Maplewood. Oh, nice. And everything was set in St. Louis. Uh, and it was just that uh, he even mentioned me in one of the books when I was a columnist for the Globe Democrat. And I know he mentioned Bill McClellan in another book. So I really tied into St. Louis. And then, but he did other series and he did hundreds of short stories. He was really a, a, an excellent writer. Not too many mystery writers from St. Louis. So this was his home for many years. He had moved on to Florida in the last few years. Yeah, it looks like he passed on January 9th. And yeah. so many different awards, too, I'm looking at online uh some of the awards he received over the years 80s and 90s well received that's hard to write a book mystery books uh detective work anything like that it's not easy let alone dozens of books <laughs> that's amazing right dozens it, it's it is hard a lot of people think oh you write a book that's going to take a week to a month maybe <laughs> it could be well it's going to take a lot longer than that it's a full-time job and doing a lot of research. And he was the kind of guy that was really good at it. So I certainly would be remembered as the best mystery writer from St. Louis, detective story writer. Oh, sure. I, I recognize that it is a difficult thing to do. And sometimes people are like that with the radio industry. And they talk about, oh, I would love to do this. I would love to do this. And I mentioned to him, okay, this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to come up with something and talk about it for 10 minutes straight make it interesting for 10 minutes straight. And if, if you put them on the spot, oh, I can do that. They normally go about 90 seconds at the most and then realize it's harder than they think. Now, writing, now imagine putting a full book together, how long that would take to make something interesting that other people would want to read. Uh, and you yeah, as a right. writer, I mean, you, you write, you uh, were a columnist and you wrote for the papers, but on top of that, you put all these presentations together every month. You know how much work it takes to put something like that together. <laughs> Oh, it's tremendous, a tremendous amount of work. I had a call uh, literally today from a friend set up a book for $2 from the half-price bookstore in University City, and I can't even remember the name of the book at this point, uh, but it's set in St. Louis, and she said it doesn't seem real. 
some of it seemed real and some of it was fake. And it was sort of a combination of putting in actual things that happened or places and then other things that just weren't even real, names that weren't real, locations and things. And, and she said, I'm just going to throw the book away. It's, I don't want to read something that's fake. She would have loved the book had it been really about St. Louis. So that that's another thing. You know, you can fabricate a story, but once you really start doing something like in our presentations that we do, they better be accurate about St. Louis. I don't want to put in some name that somebody didn't exist. You know, like if it were Gaslight Square and you were talking about Singleton Palmer or Jules Blattner or those people, and throw in some name that wasn't there, somebody would catch that and know it. Would just It would take away the realistic to, feel to it all. Oh, it does. And I notice sometimes, um, do you know the term paper towns? No. Oh, so the idea of a paper town is that when these map companies would build these very elaborate maps of states and cities and the entire United States or whatever it is, they would once in a while put in a fake town just so if someone were to copy their work, they'd be able to sue them to say, see, we put in this fake town that doesn't exist. That's how we know you copied from us. And they would they would do this so it was just a town on paper. And I know mm-hmm. some people do things like that just to see if people rip them off. They'll do like oh, articles sure. online or if they do like a, a video online or some sort of presentation, they'll add just a small little thing that doesn't mean anything. But they'll know if someone ripped them off because if they hear it again, they'll be able to go back to, hey, I'm the originator of that false fact. Right. They, uh, people have done that a lot with trivia books. Hmm. Really? Uh, one, That's the uh, worst place yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, but you put in some little trivia thing, and uh, quite a few people have done that. Fred Worth uh, did a whole lot of trivia books, uh, and he always had one thing in each book that wasn't real for that very, very reason. So then he could have a suit. Yeah, I don't know if he ever sued anybody or not. I don't know whatever happened with that. Yeah, but his uh, co-writer in some of the books was on KMOX, David Strauss. Oh yeah, well he was uh, very popular with Jim White's program. Sure, yeah. and they did a, a Sunday night uh, trivia show for quite a while. I think. Uh, I, so yeah, that's. I, I think I've heard some of a show like that was accidentally recorded. Only once have I heard that, and it's very difficult to find any Jim White no. recorded material, but. One of the Halloween specials where they were at the Lemp Mansion, um, it took some time for Jim White and the crew to get back to the studio. So they started playing some best of, which was a trivia uh, portion of the show. So that was the only time by accident I was able to catch some of that segment. Oh, my gosh. That's something. They were good. It's great. Trivia shows are always fun. Trivia nights are, are a heck of a lot of fun, but, of course, there are no trivia nights going on today. No, not really. We, we did My first trivia night was in 1982. And I, they, the idea came from Australia. The trivia nights were very big there. And I thought this is something that's going to last a few months or a year maybe. But that's one of the great fundraisers for organizations. Of course, not now, but when this pandemic is over, I'm sure we'll be going back to a lot of trivia nights, which are, again, not like writing a book, but it's, you better be accurate on your trivia because there's somebody there that knows everything. Oh, of course. And to have a dispute at a trivia night, there's no fun in that. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, what are, is there anything you're working on right now? Because I, I know that you're busy and you've been doing things and you just had another presentation recently. What's what's the next thing you're working on? Well, the next thing is uh, St. Louis Landmarks and Lure. I will show a couple of things. One of the pictures I was just looking at tonight that I'm going to uh, have to put on our PowerPoint is the runner-up to the Gateway Arch, 
for the National Riverfront Memorial, not the Gateway Arch Memorial, originally the Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson National uh, Memorial, which was totally different than the arch. Much, much different, much, much more like you would see in Washington, D.C. It's a very big panoramic view of that. And I'm going to have a picture of something that doesn't exist here yet. It's going to be a 60-foot replica of the Statue of Liberty, and it's going to be in Sauge, Illinois. So I'll have a picture of that, but I don't think it'll actually be up by the time I do this program on February 24th. So we're finding landmarks and land allure about people and stories about things like the Lavender Lady and who she was and uh, that, that, that kind of stuff. And I'm also working on a book about the history of soda and ice cream in St. Louis, which oh, wouldn't, that's not going to happen to, for several months. Yeah. Well, with the Statue of Liberty, the only fun fact I know about that is when it first came over, it was copper. So it was the copper coloring. But once, you know, copper is oh, yeah. in the elements, it turns green. But people like the color. They left it that way, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, they do. Sure. <laughs> it looks great that way. It's how we remember so it's that's how we it. That's the stuff I'm working on. And what you, I, mean, you, I don't even know how you can come up with all of the guests that you get. It's really amazing that you, that you can. It's uh it's that uh, yeah, people don't realize behind the scenes things that go on, as you said before, of just finding the people that are going uh, to be able to tell a story and do a good job and interest the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would encourage anyone listening right now, because of the way technology has changed, if you really have a passion for this sort of thing, the barrier into your recording yourself on your computer is low right now. I mean, you could buy some pretty low-end microphones, but we're talking about you know, $20 microphones that you plug into your computer. And it's enough to find software to record. And if you really wanted to try it, do it one day. And that's the thing. I think people will realize it does take a lot of time and talent in order to make it sound easy. And that's the thing that people don't realize. If, if they're listening to it and it sounds easy, there's a lot of other effort and work that went into it to make it sound easy. And they'll find that out <laughs> firsthand. <laughs> That's for sure. It's like finding the news, like the newsroom. Ah, they say that, that, that that's not everything comes to them. You have to dig that news out. You have to go on, on like Kevin Colleen, go out and talk to people and meet people. And um, and again, I know it's definitely very hard to do under the current situation. It yes. could even be harder. Kevin's so great at, at finding those things, but I, I won't hold you any longer. Johnny Rabbit, it's so fun to catch up with you. We're going to have to do this again soon. Oh, I hope so. Anytime, Ryan. Thank you very much. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Here we are in Overnight America. Man, what a crazy water main break that flooded over in on i-70 over the weekend and closing off the interstate for a long time and those water mains they're finicky sometimes they could be strong and you never have a problem and other times you're thinking to yourself man were these put in in 1905 were were these actually are these water mains older than the arch yeah there's probably many and you had that a 20 inch water main that broke uh, in North St. Louis off of 70 and closing off both lanes for a while. They said it was difficult to see that type of issue on the highway at night. And I know for a fact that's true because I've ran into that issue, not on 70, but on 64 driving at night one time and no one was out. 
and I'm just going along my merry way and everything's fine. It's just a rainy night and the drainage is so terrible on these interstates, particularly on 64 there. And it got to this dip down. I didn't see it because there's not great lighting on the interstates here either. No other cars were out. And next thing you know, it's like I just hit a sand trap. Luckily, my car didn't get stuck. I was driving the SUV. But if I had a low rider or anything, it definitely would have uh, had some issues getting through that. Now, there wasn't any police lights. There wasn't any blocking, nothing, no indication, because these things just appear so quickly. It's like quicksand in a way. But now in this water main, they forced it closed, luckily. But man, these cars were getting stranded and you're coming around. And next thing you know, water's coming into your car. It's scary. You got to be really careful for these things. St. Louis has got some crazy, crazy things that happen on those freeways. Well, that'll about do it for us here on Overnight America. we got a big week planned for you. Best way for you to stay in touch is to follow me on Facebook or Twitter. We can hate social media together. Ryan Wrecker Radio on Facebook and on Twitter at Ryan Wrecker. Great ways to reach out to the show. I'll be back again tomorrow night starting at 8 o'clock at night. And uh, Richard Bino, I know, will have a lot of great stories to share. But otherwise, enjoy the rest of your night and uh, sleep well, get a little bit of rest, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.